to another episode of The Conspiracy Skeptic. I'm your conspiracy skeptic, Carl Mamer, and my guest is Sharon Hill. Usually I ask people, is it okay to use your last name? But you are a pretty, uh, you're a pretty, uh, you put yourself out there, you know? So uh, uh, you, yeah. you you dabble. And uh, so I, I, I'm pretty sure you're not afraid of like, uh, my employer is going to find out I do these things. And, yeah. It's good to have a common name too. Yeah, that, that's People true. can't find you quite as, as easily. As I always say, the <laughs> Carl Mamer, um, I'm, I'm only one, I'm the only one on the planet. And, uh, oh, really? Oh, yeah. really? I have a whole town named after myself. So, wow. Well, I've, yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there's a, there's a town in Luxembourg called Mamer. So, uh, uh, which I just, I just, it's frightening to think that maybe there's a whole like clone army of me in Luxembourg <laughs> or something. It's, I don't know. <laughs> That'd be but fun. If, once in a while, people are like, I saw someone on the street that looked like you. And I'm like, that's unfortunate. <laughs> feel bad for that person <laughs> anyway yeah yeah so sharon yeah yeah um as i said we uh we you we i think we we first met at tam eight you you sat next to to me during the conference and i, I want to say you were nice to me so thank you yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, I, I, was, I hope so <laughs> yeah it was, it was my first tam and it was you were either you were you're you're quite kind and very welcoming and stuff i was that your that wasn't your first the, the amazing um, meeting was it i can't remember my first one do you remember what year it was oh, you're really putting me on the spot uh it might have been 2009 2010 something yeah then it, it could have been my first one too oh okay i think well, i started going at that time and then i think i went to i i missed one maybe and you know 13 was the last right okay right Right now, by by trade, you are a uh, you are you're a geologist. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you work yes. for a government. Well, let's say. Okay. Let's yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm not out in the field very much anymore. Right. I'm doing a lot of writing and okay. you know technical and legal type stuff. So that's and I enjoy that. Great. Okay. I'm yeah. not not much for still sitting on the well driller the well dr- uh, rig you know logging samples anymore so yeah you've, you've done your gone. time right yeah <laughs> right yeah yeah i've always sort of avoided like yeah i'm a technical writer by trade and it's just like i don't want to manage anybody i don't want to be in meetings all day i just want to i want to make stuff i want to make help sites and web pages and you cool. know, manuals and say yeah yeah it can you be gotta a, find your niche yep. exactly it can be a career limiting move because it's like you know more crap you have to put up with in meeting like you know better your career trajectory but eh. anyway yeah yeah so um right and now and a lot of people um remember you uh you for for the long time you did uh a really great uh blog doubt doubtful news mm-hmm yeah, yep. yeah. And I think that, I did it for like seven, seven years or so. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I, I've been, I, I, I've, been, I've just actually, well, by the time you listen to this podcast, my book should be up on Amazon. dot uh, com for 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 purchase. Uh, I talked about it before the the skeptics book of lists, uh, and, and and your you can still find your blog in um uh, the uh, the wayback machine. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I, so th- yes, and I, I did save some of the best pieces sort of on my Google Drive just to have, and I can still link to those okay. because I didn't want it all to go away. There is some interesting stuff there, but like news is ephemeral, so it's tough. Yeah, you know, yeah. new, news gets old so fast. 
but there was a lot of good stuff in there that I kind of wanted to keep as an archive. So I've kept the whole site. I have oh, a whole archive of it okay, just in yeah. case I, I did want to do a book, but there's actually, I don't know, uh, 7,000 pages, 11,000 pages <laughs> worth of stuff there. And I don't know where to begin. So. Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, that Trolling through your your site on uh, the Wayback Machine was kind of helpful for for my own my own book. I, I think I think in sort of the you know acknowledgement of sources, I, I, I credit you you there. But uh, oh, great! Thanks. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that was good. But you you kind of yeah you sort of ro- rolled that rolled that up and and you you do a you do a blog spooky archaeology. I do spooky geology. Oh, yep. sorry, uh, spooky geology. Sorry. Well, see, I stole from spooky archaeology. Uh, oh, so it's right, only yes. fair. So yes, yeah, so when Jeb Carr did his spooky archaeology, and he did the the most fantastic book, you know, it's an academic press book. It's I could never do anything remotely uh, as as incredible as that. But I asked him. I said, "Hey, can I just steal the name?" He said, "Sure, go for it." I, he didn't care. And you know, we're we're friends, and and you know, we support each other with this genre of of writing where we're looking at this weird intersection between science and paranormal weird shit stuff. So. Yeah. 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 The right. Spooky. Yeah. Spooky archaeology that, that um, yeah, I think it, because it's an academic press, I, it's like, it's like, wh- why would we want to charge less than $80 for a book? It's not, it is. it's not a cheap book. It's worth it though. There's nothing else like it. And it's an, it's an absolutely fantastic book. No, uh, yep. absolutely. Yeah. But you, you've, you've, you've written your own book at which I do mention yep. in my book. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what's the, what's the name of your, your book? My book is called Scientifical American. So it's a play obviously on scientific American magazine. Uh, and it's, it rolled out of my thesis work, my master's thesis work which first became an, I, I did an article on Skeptical Inquirer, and then I, I wanted to build it into a book because there was more that I didn't put into the thesis that was more um, modern and uh, pop culture type stuff. So um, the basis of it was was me doing research on all the amateur paranormal groups that were around at the time. You know, around 2000, 2001, you started to see that proliferation of ghost hunting groups, Bigfoot groups, UFO groups, uh, amateur groups that were getting together because they had a common interest. And um, what I wanted to know was how many of them said they used science in what they did and if they actually did use science. My thesis was, or my my master's degree was in science and, and the public. So I wanted to see if they were really using science. And I had my hypothesis. My <laughs> hypothesis was that no, they actually weren't doing science. And sure enough, that panned out because even though more than 50% of them on their websites at least said, we are doing science, we are scientific, we are, you know, um, doing a scientific method. Uh, When I actually checked to see what they were doing, it was more of like LARPing. They were just play acting as scientists. They would go in with their blinky equipment and set things up and talk in jargon and play pretend science uh, scientists. So it turned out that they really, none of them had any scientific expertise usually. Um, and it, it turned out that it didn't matter because it was pretty effective to play scientists yeah. and, you know, play scientists on TV. Because when you think about it in today's world, especially people get their information mostly from TV and the internet. 
that's where they get all their news and they get their impression, they get their pop culture and everything so much from visuals and what we see on TV and what we can see on YouTube and, 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 and on the internet and the web based stuff that um, they were getting the impression of what scientists are supposed to do from what they saw instead of, they don't really know a scientist in real life. So it's not surprising that they would try to imitate what they, what they thought scientists were supposed to do by what they saw on TV. And it worked. People believed them. They believed that they were quote experts. You, you make the point that it's, you, you can be a, uh, you can be an amateur and do mm-hmm. real science. I mean, like, like amateur astronomers immediately come to mind. I mean, like huge amounts of astronomy is sort of done by amateur astronomers. And I, I, I want to think that they won a Nobel. Did they win a Nobel Prize at some point? The, the amateur astronomers, like I don't know how you. Astronomy is not my thing. I do okay. Earth, not sky, but okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, it's absolutely true. That's a that's a perfect example. And another good example are amateur naturalists who maybe okay. count birds in their backyard. That's super important to keep catalogs of species and, and migration patterns and things like that. People who find fossils, people who find minerals and gemstones, all, all these things like that, very important. But what do those people do when they make those kinds of observations? Mm-hmm. They take it to a real scientist and say, look what I found. And then it gets into the scientific system where it can become established knowledge. It can be tested, make sure that what they're saying is true. It can be made sure that it's actually accurate and it really happened and it's authentic. And it goes through that scientific process. That was not happening with any anyone who was looking at UFOs, Bigfoot sightings, any kind of cryptid sightings or ghosts or parapsychology, um, amateur parapsychology. None of that was going through any sort of formal scientific system. So that's the difference. Yeah, I mean, it was like ghost hunters. Um, you know, they'll they'll you know they'll use devices like that. You know, measure you know, like radon gas or something, and they seem mm-hmm. to believe that you know, like 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 why would ghosts be giving off ionizing radiation? Like there's just like what, there's just no logic there. There was never any logic because it's the same deal with with EMF that that oh my my blinky equipment shows that there's a, a flux in the EMF field right. right now. What does that mean? Does it? And if you ask them, they all say something different. It's kind of like astrology. What does this mean? Um, well, it means that the ghost is uh, manifesting its energy, or uh, there is e- there is electromagnetic uh, energy in the air, and the ghost is using that to manifest. Or um, it, it, there were there were a couple different ways of looking at it that were completely opposite from each other. And it was like, well, which is it? Right, you, right. Why are you saying that this is indicative of a ghost when you can't even explain? First of all, we can't even explain what a ghost is. It could be a number of different things. Yeah. We, we, don't, we don't know. We never captured one. <laughs> so the whole premise really didn't make any logical sense what they were doing. But it didn't matter because people believed and it was a lot right. of fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, yeah. Now, now and sort of uh, geologists, that I guess the reason I kind of had you on is we sort of want to talk about, um, I guess, you know, sort of the, the intersection of, of geology and like the end of the world. The mm-hmm. uh, uh, And, uh, you know, I mean, I think, you know, Revelation or some thing in the Bible sort of probably does allude to, you know, in the end times there will be signs and portents and, you right. know, 
rivers turning to blood and, and, and stuff like that. So, so this yeah, does all sorts of bad things. Yeah. yeah, this does sort of figure kind of prominently. What, um, yeah, Alex. So, what I mean, what, what's what's your take on this? Well, um, spooky geology has a couple categories, and I have one that's like dangers, like pretty much how the Earth wants to kill you right. every day. Right? It doesn't really care about us, but. Um, and I found that, and also there's a category of alternative geological thinking. So things like flat earth, hollow earth, um, it, it, alternative ideas like creationism, things like that. So it's something that isn't, a, it isn't orthodox science belief. It's something completely different. And at the sort of intersection of those two things were the idea that there was, um, things were getting very, very bad on earth right now. And it's the earth is speeding up in various ways. Uh, physically, it was there's more earthquakes, more volcanoes, more bad things happening um, that p- could potentially uh, cause the extinction of human life. So you have things like uh, people saying there's going to be a pole shift <laughs> or a, a geomagnetic reversal. Those are two different things, but they kind of get conflated. Um, perhaps, you know, California was going to drop off into the ocean, or perhaps there was going to be a giant tsunami or a meteor was going to hit us or, um, oh my gosh, there's, there's just so many things that they, they, of course, the ice is melting and the sea level is rising. So in some ways, yeah, we are kind of in a really bad situation right, right now, <laughs> Right. but in other ways, um, some of these sites that tend to have more of a, um, you know, eschatological type bent with end times. I, I can read you that know. word. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> Eschatology it's, it's, or something. Yeah, yeah. Esk, esk. I think it's, yeah, you, you mix up the S-C-H's there. And um, so it's like the end times and how is humanity going to end the study of those things. And, and many of these people who are on the web saying all these things do have a religious basis for it. And they, I don't know, I think they kind of, they're looking forward to it. They want the world to end because it 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 feeds into their belief. So, well, I started looking at these sites mainly because I I like to see they were good at capturing the anomalies that were in the news. So wherever in the world, you know, sometimes you can't read the language that the media is coming out, and if it happens in the uh, you know the the Middle East, you can't read the language. If it happens in South America, and I can't read the language. And but they were good at, at uh, collecting all these weird things that were happening around the world. So I would go on these sites and I would just look for the source that they used and actually go to the actual news article and pull the information. And what I saw what they were doing with it was bending that information to feed their existing, um, you know, agenda of <laughs> look how bad things are. The world is ending. So. <laughs> When you try to talk to them about these things, you know, dude, you, you, your geology is like way off base here. This is not what's happening. You're taking it out of context. They completely ignore you. They don't really want to know the truth. They don't want to know the science. Um, they don't want to be reassured that, you know, really it's it's okay. This volcano erupting is not going to kill you. Um, they, they're, they're using this to forward their agenda. Yeah, I mean, if someone was to sort of say like, you know, like, uh, you know, well, you know, the, the Bible predicts there'll be, you know, earthquakes will be increasing and we're getting more earthquakes. And what would you, you know, well, are, are we? No. Okay. But <laughs> it's kind of like that, you know, the cancer analogy. 
people are finding more cancer because we're looking for it. You know, when you get cancer screenings and of course the cancer rates go up, but it doesn't mean that you're more likely to die of cancer. You're just more likely to find it because we're really looking for it. I think the same thing is happening in particular with earthquakes and volcanoes is that we're all connected. We all see the news every day from around the world and we can communicate those things. And people are living in these areas that maybe we weren't as populated before. So now they're, they're experiencing these earthquakes everywhere and they're reporting on them. The key is that the earth is well, kind of two things. The earth is constantly active. We've got constantly things going on. I mean, tectonics is constantly moving. And so we have the earthquakes and volcanoes happening. Um, but the second thing is that the big ones, the big events, mm-hmm that it didn't really matter if you were, if you had the internet or not, you would write it down if, you know, Vesuvius erupted or, (laughs) you know, things like that, or, you know, Yellowstone caldera erupted or something like that. You would know in history, in prehistory, maybe you might even be able to tell there'd be evidence of those huge catastrophes. They have not been increasing. (laughs) So if we just look at the really big things big volcanic eruptions, really huge, massive earthquakes, we find that they are relatively regular and they are not increasing. So don't worry. Well, yeah, that's bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's this real mystery where it's sort of like, you know, people are like, oh, the world's ending. And when you're trying to tell them, you know, it's not, it's like, you know, the end of the world is a pr- should be a pretty terrifying thing, and and to have someone sort of tell you, no, don't worry, the world's not going to end. You know, the you know the the Yellowstone caldera is not going to blow and kill us all and stuff like that. You know, they'll be like, you know, well, you know, you're just you know traitor to yeah. everything. You know, they they will a- attack you, and it, it's like they want it to be true. Yeah, yeah. because and, they, oh, they want to be special. They want they want to feel that they have that special knowledge. I think. That's true. You know, I, I, I mean, I, you know, uh, I mean, I, I'm old enough that you, when there was no internet and then there was an internet and then you mm-hmm. can kind of see as people got onto the internet, they would start to spread like all of these, you know, like, oh, there's this virus that will do this, you know, just to open up this one. E- I mean, of course, it eventually came to a point, I think, where you can, you can legitimately open emails and get a virus. But back, you know, back in like, you know, 1994, you couldn't open an email and get a virus. People would spread these things. Yeah, right. Because they wanted to sort of seem like, you know, in the know. And even mm-hmm. though they're telling you something awful, you know, it, it's, you know, they, 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 you know, they, they seem like they're in the know or something. Uh, yeah, definitely. That, that does, definitely. Yeah. That does seem to. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the things I sort of noticed too, I, like, you know, I, I lived in a, in a small city, but I mean, and then moved to like a big city. So I lived in a city called Windsor and then moved to Toronto. And when you live in a small city, you know, if, you know, the Seven Eleven next to you gets robbed, that's front page news, right? Mm-hmm. And there's not going to be a lot of murders either in a, in a small city. When you move to a big city, there's more murders. And a Seven Eleven getting knocked off or your neighbor's house being broken into, that doesn't make the news in the local paper. Yeah. So you think you, you have this weird sense of like i have a less chance of being victim of everyday crimes like my car being broken into and stuff like that because i'm not seeing that in the big city paper but i'm gonna get murdered you know like you know so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, i think you call it what do you call it avail- availability the availability heuristic yeah i i love this because it, it the best example of this are plane crashes right 
So people see on the news, if there's a plane crash, it gets headlines on the news. And lots of people usually die because the plane is carrying lots of people. And then the next time you have to go on a vacation or go visit someone, you think about flying. And what you think about is the plane crashing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, humans are terrible at evaluating risk. Mm-hmm. And we can't understand that plane travel is probably safer overall than car travel for a long distance right. because car travel is more risky for, for many reasons. But we just feel that fear because in the, in the, sometimes in the forefront of our mind is how horrible that plane crash is. So we, we can't get that. We can't get over that. And it's just, it's available in our brain to access. And that's the feeling that gets triggered. So I think that when people see these terrible things about earthquakes and, you know, lately it was Greece, um, often you see the videos from Japan or even California, um, not as much because California is not really huge earthquakes like other places along the edges of the tectonic plates do. And they're really scary. And people are afraid that it could happen in their in their backyard. It could happen to them. And on top of that, people aren't really good like I said, at risk perception or risk assessment. And they're also not really good at, at geologic settings. They don't realize that maybe you're sitting in you know, Pennsylvania like I am, and I don't have a risk of earthquake. I just don't. I, there, there could be an earthquake come through. It's never going to be more than a three or four magnitude. It's not going to wreck my house. Um, just last week, I had some of my neighbors asking about, should I get sinkhole insurance in my okay. neighborhood? And I'm like, no, don't do that. That's <laughs> stupid because we're on shale. And they're okay. like, oh, 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 I didn't know. And I'm like, well, you can check a map. But then, you know, people don't have access to the tools that I have right at my fingertips. They don't know. But at least they had me to ask. Well, please don't waste your money on that. You do not need it. You know, it, this is not a risk that you have to worry about. Wear your seatbelt, get vaccinated, you know, be careful when you cross the street. Those are the things you ha- don't smoke. These are the things you have to worry about. Yeah. Boring there, things like that. Yeah. There's a lot more kind of right low hanging fruit you can do to preserve, <laughs> you know, get yourself into an uh, old age. That's something right, people don't do, but then they're like, you know, then they're like, you know, God, I got a gun or, you know, kind of, uh, kind of right. things. Yeah. And yeah, just, yeah, not just, yeah. The, yeah. The availability heuristic. I gotta, I gotta remember that. That's a, that's a really fun one. Yeah. 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 The, um, I, I mean, our, our mutual friend, Howard, who, who um, mm-hmm. uh, Nigel St. Whitehall is known to this show as Nigel St. Whitehall. Uh, Howard. Yeah. I, 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 he, he seemed to be quite freaked out by uh, sinkholes. I don't know if you ever. He was. Yes. Yeah, he yeah. lives in a, he lives in a worse area than I do because oh, okay. he technically could have one open up on his street. Okay. So, so, so legit, he does have a legitimate <laughs> fear legit. that Howard, Howard, you're right. You're right to be right to be afraid of this. Okay, I thought you were. I thought you were kind of crazy, but no, no. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. What about um? Oh, you, you just I'll, I'll email me tomorrow. Look up Burlington and find out if uh, if, if if I'm doomed or something like that. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I don't think this. Is, I don't. I've not heard of any sinkholes in in, in this area, uh, ever. But. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, that is kind of terrifying, though. It's just like the thing opens up and the house goes down, and you know. Well, it is, and and I think what we're also seeing is, well, you see these things in Florida where somebody sleeping in their house just collapses into a hole. Well, yeah. Florida is a whole different beast. 
However, in in other places, like in major cities, what we see are maybe uh, sewer or water lines collapsing because Mm -hmm. the infrastructure is so old Mm -hmm. and it causes what looks on the surface like a sinkhole. And then people think, oh, my gosh, it's a sinkhole. Well, they'll call it a sinkhole. It's not a geologic sinkhole. It's just a ground collapse because the pipe broke, washed away all the support, and the road sunk. So it's not like it's going to happen everywhere. It's just going to happen because our stupid infrastructure is aging, and we're not taking care of it, and we're not keeping track. So things like that you really can't pinpoint, but you should be aware of them. How how much of this, you know, like I think – you know, it's like people, you know, all the good places to move have been, live, have been taken up. So people are like, I know it. I you know, agree. Exactly. So it's like, well, I'll go, I'll go live on a fault line or, you know, I'll go, like, I'll go live in a swamp. And, and like, like it just seems to me that, you know, the, the, the people are now moving into really dangerous places. And is, yeah, is that, am I just making that up or is it? Any no. Tr- I remember when, when Kilauea first started to erupt and you saw all on the news of these people in Hawaii and their houses were getting bulldozed by these big mm-hmm. clods of lava that was just flowing over them and just like a bulldozer, just, <laughs> just covering everything. And there were people that were allowed to live in what was the path of the lava in previous decades. Right. <laughs> and they were told they can't this is not a good idea. And I forget why they were allowed to live there, but they, they lived there with the presumption that if you lose this land, you've lost it. There's nothing, there's, there's no going, you're not going to get your insurance money. You're going to lose everything. You're not going to get insured here, but they chose to live there anyway, because it was the only place in Hawaii that they could afford to live. And they were ready to take the risk. And if you've ever gone to, you know, Southern California and you've gone down, you know, the Pacific Coast Highway, you've gone to places like, you know, Marin County or, or places like that. And you see where people live on the edges of cliffs <laughs> where the road is collapsing every year. You're right. thinking, why are you living here? Right. Because they are willing to take that risk to live in such a beautiful place. Right, right. And, you know, okay, okay. If, if you're willing to accept that. That's your business, but it, it is scary to think that people are moving into areas where you know that the sea level is going to rise and remove the land or living in areas that is made of fill and it's prone to earthquakes. That's bad. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're, we're in an, an age where zoning laws and, and construction laws are a bit better, but we got a little ways to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, you know, some cities are like we you know we got to increase the tax base right so they're willing to sort of you know overlook like well okay that's not the safest place in the world to live but let's we'll we'll zone it for development anyways and we will we'll we'll make taxes off it for the next 20 years and i'll be dead so i'm not gonna have to worry about this you know like You, you have to make your 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 own um knowledgeable choices yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. So, what? What? I mean, what are some some of the other sort of intersections of uh, ge- geology and sort of end times? I mean, earthquakes are are, are, are a huge one, but uh, that's a huge one. Um, one that doesn't come up too often, but it is very real, is um, giant ground fractures. Okay. These are these are a lot of fun. They're very dramatic. They appear often in dry places because we've extracted too much groundwater. Right, right. 
So we've pulled too much water out of a very old aquifer Mm -hmm. and it's starting to compress. And the ground is now making these huge fractures as it's settling across a very huge area. So we have these things showing up in Arizona and and they're well-known in Arizona. They're also showing up huge ones in Mexico. You will also see them in the Middle East where they've withdrawn all their water as well. So they are really scary things. Uh, I know in Arizona, you will have livestock will fall into them. Um, so it's kind of dangerous for people. They will, they will destroy roads, things like that. But the underlying basis is even more scary. We've just removed all the drinking water. Right. Where are we going to get that from? Yes, exactly. And honestly, those are the kind of things that, that do scare me. Global warming effects do scare me. Mm-hmm. Lack of water does scare me because we have we can have to come up with some technology to fix that or else the landscape of the US the southern U- southwestern US is going to completely change because people will not be able to live there or, or only very poor people right will be stuck living there and that's just terrible so to me that is kind of a, a short term <laughs> end of the world thing for people because you have to you could you could die Right, okay. You could, you, you're, you, everything could go, go bad without the water. So um, another uh, end of, end of earth thing that I, I honestly don't quite understand this one is the whole pole shift thing. Right. Right. Sorry. You, now you said there's a difference between a pole shift and a geomagnetic reversal. Reversal. Yeah. yeah what is the difference? Cause I, I would have just thought they were the same. What is the difference? Um, and I thought they were the same too, when I heard people talk about it. And then I realized that they're talking about something a little bit different. So pole shift means that the actual axis would kind of move to a different location and the geomagnetic reversal, you know, how the earth is a dipole, we've got North, South, you know, positive, negative, that would flip, that would reverse uh, Yes. Okay. the right, polarity right. of the earth would reverse the South and become North. Both of those scenarios have, have happened. Right. In the past, um, they're not likely to happen tomorrow. <laughs> um, geomagnetic reversals happen quite frequently. We could see these in the geologic record. They're, they end up being stripes on the ocean floor mm-hmm. where you can see the, the geomagnetic reversal where the crystals that were formed in the rock that came out as magma was liquid, mm-hmm. cooled in alignment with the north-south mm-hmm. pole. So you can see those formations and you can measure the polarity and we can see that they flipped. If, if the pole, if the polarity does flip, it doesn't look like it would cause any mass extinction mm-hmm. or anything really too terrible. It'd probably be really dramatic, but right. what happens is it gets all funky for, for a long, long time. It just kind of bounces around and everything gets confused before it finally flips. The pole shift is has to do with the distribution of mass okay. around the earth. So uh, if people know their, their historical geology uh, a little bit, there used to be, you know, one big continental landmass that was all <laughs> stuck together, Pangea. Mm, okay. um, and that sort of messed up the, the, the inertia of how the earth spun, you know, because there was really, okay. really, you know, heavy, heavy things over here and light things over here, all, all clumped together. So the poles weren't quite the way they used to be, and and they they kind of moved, okay. um, tilted. 
I'm I'm doing probably a really bad job of explaining this. No, no, I'm no. Not, that, yeah. I not really don't understand it myself. Yeah, yeah, no. That, that, well, that does, yeah, that does make sense to me. Right, right. Yeah, the, right. The pull, yeah, yeah. Because the again, earth, it's something that yeah. doesn't happen overnight. Okay. It takes a really long time. Well, I, I mean, we should get, I mean, for, like sometimes, like when they talk about like uh, sort of geomagnetic reversals, it's like geologists will sort of say, "Well, they happen really quickly." Which, but to a geologist, <laughs> twenty five thousand years is just like is like that, right? Like, do you do you, do you do you yeah. think in you know what they call thinking geologic time? You think in millions or hundreds of millions of years versus like yeah. you know tomorrow. I do. I do. Um, there are some fast geologic processes and there are some slow ones and most things are slow. Um, it's fun to see fast things sometimes, you know, when a big, big flood event comes through or hurricanes come through or a sinkhole collapses, things like that. So things do happen fast, but for the most part, you're absolutely right. We do think in a different time scale, we could shift into that time scale. Right. Does that ever interface with your own life? It's like, uh, <laughs> You know. Yeah, you know, sometimes, well, you know, I'm young in geologic time. Yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, do, you, do you remember, um, uh, I'm not going to ask how old you are, but I mean, when I was uh, a high school student, and you know, I'm going to reveal my Canadianness by saying I, I was in grade 12, I think you might say 12th grade there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I was in. We was in Canada. We say grade. 12. I was in grade twelve. It was uh, the. Do you remember the Jupiter effect? Did that whole, that whole thing. Vaguely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was some. It was weird because this was actually written by two astronomers who should have known better. Like, like we're talking legit astronomers, not like, like uh-huh. you know, sort of cranks. But the idea is that, like, I think it's but once every couple hundred years. All of the planets are on one side of the sun. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. Yes, yes. And in the popular imagination, this went from all the planets are on one side of the sun to literally they're all just all going to line up. Yes. yes. And then I remember talking about this in class, you know, the like, girl being really upset about this with, you know, with the math teacher, like, oh my God, are we all going to die? Because it's the, it's the day or something. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then now the scientists themselves, they understood that, you know, all the planets on one side of the sun, the the, the gravitate. You know, it's it's like it's like it's you know there are two Mack trucks next to you, not one Mack truck. Like right. that is the difference in the the gravity and and but right. But but the popular media made it like this will be the super gravity and earthquakes and you know and all that kind of stuff. But I think that the scientists themselves had argued that. And again, it, it's as loony <laughs> that, uh, you know, that it's going to, this is going to cause increased like solar flares or sun activity mm. and, and it's going to toast the earth or I don't know, some, something like that. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice to be able to not have like a scientific basis for some of these things and just put them out there that nobody can question. It's, it's yeah. easy to do. It's quite, quite easy. Like, one of the things um, in the news right now is that the, the La Palma Island volcano that's erupting, um, when that first started to uh, kind of rumble to life, they resurrected the idea that the side of the island would collapse in a giant landslide, which would cause a huge tsunami on the east coast of the U.S. Right, okay. I remembered that. It, it came out quite probably in like 2007, mid 2000 something. And I remember reading it and thinking, Oh, that sounds terrible. And now when it came up again and I looked it up, 
the critiques said, yeah, it's not going to really happen that way. They, they were a bit too dramatic. They put all these factors together and assumed way too much. And it's, it's not going to happen that way. Landslides don't work that way. I was like, phew, that's great because I was getting a little nervous. But <laughs> unless you actually look that stuff up, it didn't come out in the mainstream media. It right. was on a scientific blog that I had to go search for. Right, okay. So the media takes advantage of the, the few scientists who are willing to be dramatic for attention and headlines right, okay. and, and, you know, they get an eyeball on their research, which I don't know. I, I feel a little icky about that because right. I, I understand they're trying to get some attention, but they're, they're, they don't understand that they're, they're kind of misinforming people at the same time, even right. if it's just, if they say, well, it's just my idea. It may not be true. That's not what people hear. They hear the scary stuff. Right. Well, I mean, you know, the, the, the maybe this is a myth, but and debunk this myth, but the, you know, you always, I mean, since I was little, I was heard this about, you know, that when the big wind comes in California, you know, California is going <laughs> to slide into the ocean and, you know, is there anything, you know, to the east of the, you know, the San Andreas Fault, buy that property now because that will become beachfront property. And, you know, is, 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 can that happen? No. Okay. That's, that's so obviously nonsense. Um, this California is, the San Andreas is a strike slip vault. It, it goes left to right. You know, you okay. can stand on one side and wave to the person and they go in the opposite direction. I think it's a right lateral fault. They go right. I'm not sure. It could be left slip. Um, I, I live on the other coast. I'm not, I'm never there to tell. So, but, um, and you, it's not like you could stand on the San Andreas fault, really. It's not, okay. it doesn't really work that way. Um, you can stand near it, you know, uh, but, um, it doesn't, doesn't happen that way. It's just sort of slides and grinds against each other. So what happens in California is the unstable coastline falls into the sea because it's unstable. It's unconsolidated mm -hmm. and it falls in and that's bad. But, um, and maybe an earthquake would cause things like landslides to happen, but it's not, not the same as right. what people are saying in Hollywood is saying. And Hollywood yeah. tends to exaggerate um, geologic events really really badly right <laughs> I, I don't think there's one good uh geologic based movie out there like volcano or earthquake or okay all those weird things are terrible what was it what was it the movie the core wasn't that generally uh-huh that, that's generally reputed as like just not only one of the worst movies ever but probably one of the worst science you know probably in yeah. terms of yeah uh, what, what are some what are some sort of bad geology movies you have seen um, there was, I remember two came out in the same year was like, are close to each other. It was Dante's peak. And I think it was called volcano. So they were okay. both volcano movies right, okay. that went together. And I saw parts of both of them, but I could not get through the whole thing on either of them. So volcanoes erupting in, you know, California. Right. Doesn't make sense. Just doesn't make sense. Volcanoes just don't pop up in places that we don't expect them to we know where they're going to pop up right. um there was a case where there was a pop-up volcano in um they believe it was mexico okay and it just appeared in a farmer's field one day it just started popping up there well it's not really surprising because that's a volcanic area we know that that's volcanic area just like 
you know, in Iceland, a new, a new fissure can open up because it's a volcanic area. It's not really surprising, but a volcano is not going to open up in the middle of the, um, stable, uh, landmass where there are no other volcanoes. Yeah. The, uh, the, um, I mean, the Yellowstone, what is that called? Caldera. Yeah. People in the know, you know, (laughs) the, uh, the, you know, that, uh, I mean, that, will blow up sometime i guess we won't be around yeah i'm yeah. not gonna worry about it okay. um it's a fantastic place um although i've never been there but i love the idea of calderas it's just so amazing what's going on there um people get really freaked out about that on, yeah. on occasion and some of these end times sites will take uh the videos of the uh, bison sort of running down the road. They just, I don't know, bison do this every once in a while. They get in a really big group and then they start just rambling down the road like crazy and all the cars stop and you watch the huge herds just rumble by. It's an amazing sight and people are taking videos. And all of a sudden the headlines the next day are bison fleeing Yellowstone. Right, right. Is it ready to erupt? Yeah, yeah. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Um, In order to refill a gigantic magma chamber underground in order to erupt, Mm -hmm. you will have signs on the surface that that is happening. Um, Very clear signs that volcanoes are erupting. They always happen. So if the volcano is being monitored, we see those in plenty of time. Yeah, but the thing is, you won't tell us because you're getting your space on the rocket ship to Mars, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> so right. yeah, do, 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 do people <laughs> accuse you of being part of some massive geological ivory tower? Like, What would an ivory tower be made out of to a geologist? Because ivory would be, I guess, technically made from elephant tusks. How would you do that? Oh, right. Ours would probably be made out of marble. Okay, okay. Yeah, marble is pretty cool. A nice, hard, metamorphic mm-hmm. limestone. Um, and expensive and shiny. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I have been accused of, of being in the pocket of, of big oil or, yeah, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So, um, and, and in my line of work, people do sort of accuse me of not being, you know, forthright. And that's, that's garbage because as a scientist and as a licensed professional, you have, uh, you have an obligation to help people and to tell right. the truth and to do good science. So it's really insulting when people, mm-hmm criticize me and say that I'm not being um, a good scientist or I'm not being forthright or truthful. That's really insulting to me. So, um, but I can always tell that they're playing that type of game. I mean, even environmentalists sometimes act an awful lot like creationists (laughs) where they will, they will cherry pick the data and they will promote pseudoscientific stuff in order to advance their agenda and I consider myself an environmentalist, a very strong one. Mm. Um, and I can see those things. I'm like, that's not cool. It's not cool to use what you're using because even though you, you may believe it or you feel it may get you some um, movement towards your goal, it's not going to pan out and it's not genuine and you shouldn't use it. Right. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, um, sorry, I forgot what I was, was going to say now. The, um, you, you know, you, uh, you, in your uh, 
uh, your, your, old, your old blog, you, you had an interesting article about a guy, and I, I don't think he came to you, but he was a guy who had this rock. And I mean, if you kind of looked at it, I, I mean, to me, it kind of looked like it was like some high school kids attempt at doing one of the Stonehenge heads, and he gave up. He's just like, oh, this is, this is too hard, and gave up about halfway through. But he thought it was a fossilized Bigfoot head. And, yeah. uh, and I think he took it to some geologist. He's like, it's a fossilized, and they're just like, it's just, it's just a rock. And he's just like, you people don't know what you're talking about. You know, that, that was, that was, yeah, I, and you had a really great quote. And I do quote this in, in, in my book. Um, don't sue me, but it, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a fair use quote where you're sort of like, yeah, you know, as geologists, we get these people all the time bringing us things that they think are really awesome. And we have to kind of tell them, no. It's mundane. Yeah. They don't believe us. Have you ever had someone kind of haul something into you and are oh, like, yes. yeah, well, what, what are some Several of the things? Several times. Several times. So uh, let's see if I can remember them. Uh, some examples. People will, uh, my neighbor will bring me a rock they think is a meteorite. Okay. And it's a piece of slag okay. from, you know, the steel mill, the steel mill that just got thrown and it looks glossy and bubbly <laughs> like it's it's just like oh no i think it's a meteorite why do you think it's a meteorite well it's all glossy and i just not it's light it's fluffy it's it's actually just rock scum right. that melted on it's just, it's not it it's right. not a meteorite and he wouldn't believe me um people where i i used to work in an area of pennsylvania that was kind of they, there was a lot of creation type people who lived there they they liked the idea of creationism that the earth was very young and they would bring me these these concretions that they thought were um skulls right right and they're iron concretions in the coal veins and they're very common but they thought that they were either some animal parts or whatever <laughs> and just shows that people lived alongside the coal in the coal swamps. So obviously the earth couldn't be very old. Um, And then we just have to sort of smile and nod and try to get away as fast as possible. And the most recent example was somebody actually came into my office and I don't know how he got into our building and onto our floor to show me a collection of stones that he had. So said he dug up on his property and they were all gemstones. So he said that there, I think this is sapphire and I think this one is ruby and you know, okay. I, I believe this one is, and I, this could be a diamond. I have to polish it up. I'm like, oh my goodness, no, <laughs> this is not. Right. And but he was convinced, and yeah. it's a very uncomfortable position to be put into. But Bring yeah, people do not believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like it's like uh, the uh, you know you know the the christopher oak island people like if Mm -hmm. you could if you could if you could if you could talk to them what would you advise them oh boy um i i'm interested i i always wanted to look into that because i wondered if it was a natural sinkhole that they were dealing with there that that you know at at some point that that stuff was kind of falling in naturally into this pit and now they're excavating it and it looks really weird um, so I don't know enough about it okay. to say, but I'm like, man, I, there isn't anything you could say to people who are just treasure hunters and just living, yeah. living for the dream. Yeah. You're never going to convince them otherwise. Prospectors are like that too. You know, they're convinced that they're going to be able to pan for gold in the stream. It's like, dude, there's no gold left here. Right. Um, but they don't believe you because they're going to be the ones to find it. Yeah, I mean, the on your on your um, on, on on your blog. 
sorry, I'm old, so I've suddenly f- forgot the name of one of my favorite blogs ever. <laughs> what was the name of your <laughs> blog again? <laughs> In the spooky geology one? No, no the, one, the, the one before. Double news? Double news. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. My, my wife's always like looking for signs of Alzheimer's in me because it does actually run fairly strong in my family. So I, I like, experienced the same thing. Yeah. I, I know. I'm just like, it's awful. yeah, she's getting really worried. It's like, we just had a conversation <laughs> about this last week. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, Short term is the first to go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, um, that blog of yours, Doubtful News, uh, I, I always loved your articles about, I guess it's kind of, but people who trying to find things underground that any sensible person would know is not there. You know, I mean, like the Nazi gold train. I think mm. you had one about people in Korea who try to think they're finding North Korean invasion tunnels, like all the way into Seoul, and and wow, I don't remember that one. That oh a long yeah, time ago. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> See, my memory too. I don't exactly, remember exactly. Yeah, and uh, you know, yeah, it. I mean, or you know, I mean, even it goes back to like you know the era of like you know Joseph Smith and Mormonism, like treasure hunting mm-hmm. and digging in the mm-hmm. ground. Like, what is? What is that about our nature that some people just think there is something buried in the ground? And, you know, and, and I think as, as Blake Smith sort of comment once, it's like, I just have to dig one foot deeper than the next guy and I will find yeah. it. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It's, I don't know. I've I never really thought about that before, but it, it feels like, um, you know, the earth is ours to, to take from it right. In, right. in a way. And that, that we can all make our fortune just by asking the earth to give us something. Hmm. And I, I, I don't know, it's maybe it's the idea of something could be hidden there and we don't see it, or we can just imagine that it's there, or we hear stories about people actually finding remarkable things. I mean, there are remarkable things underground that we don't, you know, we, we don't really know that they're there. So we feel that, well, if they can find it, why can't I? Right. Yeah. And, you know, there was just a story in the news about the lady that found the four carat diamond in the um, in Arkansas, in the crater of diamonds. You know, people look at that place mm-hmm. every day for diamonds um, and don't find anything. And she walks around for half an hour and picks up a huge diamond. <laughs> and we're like, damn, yeah. <laughs> what can that be? <laughs> I, I always so, want to be like. Know, it happens. I always want to be that guy who, uh, you know, like I, you know, the I always buy myself like one lottery ticket, and you're always behind, you're always behind the person who's like literally throwing two hundred dollars down at a right. time. I, I want to be that guy who buys the one lottery ticket and wins. Yeah, yes, well, that would I mean, be great. I mean, I wouldn't be mind being the guy, so I got the cat out of the room. <laughs> The uh, yeah, so I, I, I mean, the I, odds are me. not with you though. No, no, they're not. But uh, I always sort of like I'm like, yeah, I, I think a lottery ticket here is uh, three three dollars for like a five million dollar jackpot, and 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 uh, and, and uh, I'm always like, you know, three dollars about what you'd spend on like a latte, and mm-hmm. and both give you kind of at least a temporary like, hmm, you know, that kind of nice feeling. Right. Like, if I won, that'd be kind of, and, and, but it's like, if I spent like a hundred dollars, I don't feel, you know, you know, 33 times more. Totally. You know, I mm. totally get that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's just, I'm just like, just. So that people who buy that stuff, they're in a different frame of mind. I mean, they're convinced that that's how they're going to get rich and they're going to be the ones to get rich. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, Uh, it'd be nice to, 
be nice to live like that for a little while. Be that optimistic. Yeah, I, say. I mean, it's it's a you know three three bucks to have a you know a, you know a, a you know a ten minute dream of like yeah yeah tell my boss <laughs> f you sorry <laughs> how would I spend all that money <laughs> exactly just rage quit you know <laughs> yeah that's yeah, cool. yeah yeah so um yeah so now now uh, the uh, well for, first I got to say my uh, do, do you, you you probably see him on Twitter uh, T- Terry the censor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. He's he's like my best. He was the best man at my my wedding. He's, wow. he's like Yeah, he's like a huge fan of yours. Uh, Terry the Terry yeah, the Yeah, he's yeah. great. Yeah, big 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 fan of yours. And I I I'll, I've been saying for years on my podcast because he knows everything about Betty and Barney Hill. Like this, is, he's made that his life study, and uh, uh, and um, that and how he, having how he, uh, uh, avoiding green peppers. Those are the two things he sees. So his <laughs> life studying Betty and Barney Hill and how can I always avoid green peppers in anything? So, wow. so yeah, I know I've known him since grade nine, ninth grade in, in America, but <laughs> I uh, need the translation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's, he's a huge hand fan says hi, but um, yeah. Great. Yeah. So now you, I mean, I've always sort of known you as kind of a skeptic and you've, mm-hmm. and, and this is, you know, for good reasons. I think a lot of people have sort of sort of abandoned the, you know, the big S skepticism, you know, a, right. a, as, a, you know, as, a, um, you know, as sort of a you know, part of your identity, or I, I'm a member of the sure. skeptical community. Yeah, I mean, you've sort of moved away from kind of, you know, you know, big S skepticism, the skeptical mm-hmm. community and, and uh, can you talk a bit about that? Like what, what was, you know, Yeah, it was tough. Um, You know, I made a lot of friends Mm -hmm. and I felt like a lot of people did that you found your tribe. (laughs) You were, you found a group of people that you were really comfortable with and who understood what you were saying and who felt the way that you felt. And it's not unlike any other type of group. Maybe, you know, you're, you're a believer in something. Maybe you find your ghost hunting group, whatever (laughs) you found this, this tribe that you were comfortable in and, I felt that I could contribute <laughs> and uh, I don't, I don't really know how to put it. I mean, there was just so many downers <laughs> that hit me. Um, so many things were just, I trusted a lot of people <laughs> and that trust was betrayed. And I don't know, I don't know if I was just Pollyannish. I just, just assumed that things would be better with, with a, an organization that valued truth and <laughs> and logic and rationality and it turns out people are people exactly and i just didn't i didn't feel comfortable anymore and there's a lot of things that made me very uncomfortable and i wanted to continue to work sort of in outreach and do the things that i was doing and i felt that i couldn't do it under that label anymore because i had clearly asked some of these major groups all three of these major groups that I had been involved in. Can we do something differently? Can we do this? Maybe we can go this way. What about if we do this? And they were all like, nope, 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 nope. Same as we've always done. Um, No God, you know, ghost hunters are idiots, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, that isn't going to work. It's not going, you cannot move forward like this. And so I had to move forward on my own. And in order to do that, I cut ties and that hurt me. Um, It hurt my audience. They were gone. I I lost a lot of friends as well. 
I didn't have any support for, for some larger media outlets anymore. So that was my choice, but um, I felt that I had to do it. I couldn't really be associated with that anymore, but I still have lots of friends that are still there and I, and I support what they do because I think that still has to be done. And I'm still at heart, you know, practicing skepticism as, as we all should be. I just don't want to be like a, proselytizer for right. skepticism because it didn't really like what it was standing for anymore. And so, I mean, you, you, I mean yeah. you like, you like to get into the trenches with like, you know, the Bigfoot hunters and the, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 you know, the, the Fortean type people and stuff like yes. that. And, and yeah. And I mean, if you're right, if you're like, sort of like the, you know, oh, she's just this cynical skeptic, mm-hmm. you know, that, 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 you know, that can, that can limit your access. I mean, it really did. And it, and that reputation sort of preceded me and closed off a lot of opportunities. And even when I would start to speak, especially in Fortean community for a while, and I'm, I'm pretty active there. I write for Fortean times on occasion and I'm on the Fortean, you know, post boards and things <laughs> like that. Um, they would, they would say, well, you're just a skeptic. And I'm like, are you not listening to what I'm saying here? Right, right. Um, you, you, you need, I'm, I'm trying to be fair. And I realized that I, can I, I don't care. I don't care what you believe. I really don't. If, if it doesn't hurt anybody, it doesn't hurt me. <laughs> the problem was really bugging me was when these believers were saying, well, this is scientific or I'm doing science <laughs> or this is reality. What I'm talking about here, you know, UFOs being alien spaceships or ghosts be, or demons infesting your house. We're doing science. <laughs> no, you're not. You're, you're bullshitting. And I'm going to call that out. But if you want to go ahead and believe in ghosts or UFOs, fine. If it doesn't hurt anybody, it's fine. You know what? If you want to believe in God, that's fine with me too. Why should that bother me? And I didn't want to be that mean person anymore. I wanted people to just live their lives. Right. Yeah. I, I, Jerry, Jerry Drake, who's been a guest on my podcast mm-hmm. at least once, maybe, maybe twice. Yeah. yeah. He had a good observation. He's, he's like, you know, especially like people who've always been raised in very kind of, you know, very sort of fundamentalist kind of Christian uh, upbringings and, and, you know, they, they, they want to kind of connect with, to put a user word, the divine, they want to connect with something greater than them. And, and, you know, it, and they're, it's, it's just, it's just, you know, fundamentalist Christianity. And suddenly they, you know, there's ghost hunting or there's, you know, there's mm-hmm. Bigfoot, you know, the wild man of the, the woods. And, and, and it's for, for Jerry, it's not surprising. They just sort of jump into that. And that's just a natural, you know, that that's a natural expression of their, of their, yeah. their, 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 their wanting to kind of, commune with you know that which is greater than them you know and and that's not you know the sort of the fundamentals christianity they were kind of kind of raised in and i'm like yeah, yeah it's another way to re-enchant their world they want the world to be enchanted exactly mine is way. buying a lottery ticket right you know, right, right. <laughs> you know so, so magic and yeah yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I mean, I. 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 You know. I. I totally. You know. Like your. 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 You know. How you kind of moved away from sort of skepticism, and then like, like. Yep. Makes perfect sense. I. I yeah. I mean, I had to. I had to drop. I had to drop doubtful news because I was really burned out. I mean, well, after you do seven years of yeah. of looking into how awful the media covers these stories. Well, I mean. The one thing I really loved about Doubtful News is you you stayed on top of 
topics. So like, you know, when it's out of the headlines, like Nazi gold train, right. You know, you will like three years later, you will like update, you know, you would bring these things back. It's like, Oh man, that that's amazing. But yeah. But I I remember you at one point, you just closed off your comment section because that has to be, that can be a real swamp at, I suppose Mm -hmm, it, you mm -hmm. know, as, as the popularity grows. I mean, I know you, you, you know, Stuart, Stuart Robbins, he's on my show all the time. Mm-hmm. My, my astronomer mm-hmm. Royale, like, like his, you know, his exposing pseudo astronomy blog. Yeah. Again, just sure. the, you know, the people that sometimes comment there are just like, yeah, that, that, that can be a real time sink. Right? It was, there were a couple people that would continually harass me. Right. Um, there was one guy who claimed to have, there couple, there's two guys who claimed to have a haunted house. Right. that were were just they just wanted so much attention for this and they were they would do anything in order for you to mention their name even if it was in a bad way you know bad publicity was fine it's better than yeah. no publicity um and then they could use the skeptics bad argument against you know in in support of their own um uh idea right. so i i refused to do that and i refused to argue with with people like that and oh, yeah. it just became too much. So the big footers in particular for a while there, not so much anymore, but I don't know. I really don't go to those websites anymore, but some of the big footers at the time were probably the worst violent misogynistic type people right. I had ever encountered personally, you know, harassing me really awful, um, scary white guys. Right. Um, right. Very, so I'm like, you know, these people just do not deserve the, a space to say anything. Right. So, yeah. Like, like when, you know, Bigfoot is a kind of a good example of like, that like, when should you stop looking for something, right? Like, like you know, like, like um, <laughs> right. who's, who's the guy he's, uh, I think he was really big into the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, he kind of has a beard. I mean, the dude looks like a Scottish. Adrian Shine. Yeah. Yes, right, right. And I think yeah. he d- realized that we have looked at this lock for decades, and just it, it's not there, right? You know, very He's few. Great. Yeah, yeah. Very few people ever sort of go. Okay, you know what? Hey, we're the greatest woodsmen in America, and hunters. We're so awesome, and we keep getting you know, owned by this Bigfoot character. We can't find them. Like, like they never go either like, okay, maybe Bigfoot just ain't there or maybe I'm not really that great of a woodsman. Like, there's, You know, it's like, no, we'll, we'll find them yeah. tomorrow. Well, yeah. there was a hint of that with Rene de Hinden. Um, I don't know if you know him. He no, was, no. Oh, he was, he was my favorite of the four horsemen of Bigfootery. Okay. Um, he was, he was, he was a Swiss guy, but he, he, he migrated to Canada and he, he, he became a Canadian citizen, I believe. And he was always my favorite and he was absolutely the, the most ornery crotchety old guy who was just always in flannel and just, he never, (laughs) he never, he never had a Bigfoot encounter himself. Okay. He dedicated his whole life. He lost his wife. He lost his children. I mean, his family just didn't want anything to do with him. Um, And he devoted his life to Bigfoot and he never found it. And in his old age, he was like, I'm kind of angry. Oops. Okay. (laughs) And he said, it, it seemed like he was kind of angry about 
spending his whole life looking for something that he never found. And I think I see that in a lot of Bigfooters, um, they're not willing to give up that sunk cost Mm -hmm. of their lives invested in looking for something that probably doesn't exist. And they're never going to admit it to themselves. You saw, you saw that with, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in similar situations where they're not going to give up on their belief. Um, It's kind of sad. That's, but you can understand yeah, it. That's that's a good yeah. The, the, so the sunk cost fallacy, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That yeah. No, that actually does explain it. Like I think yeah. That's a that's a it's a real thing. You know, you've you've invested. You know, we the American military is always famous for doing this. Well, we've invested a billion dollars in this weapon <laughs> system, and it's not working. <laughs> let's spend another billion. Well, we've already spent two billion. Let's spend. You know, yeah. The sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, but yeah. That's. I mean, you can't get out of that. I mean, you right. can. You can get out of it. I think you need. Sometimes you need a helper right, that yeah. you can bounce your ideas off of, and they can pull you in that other direction. Right. Um, and I have that story in my book of of Bobby and Jason that pulled themselves away from being ghost hunters, avid ghost hunters, because then right. they started just talking to each other and said, you know, dude, this doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense. This should be this and it's not. And why isn't it this? And then they started thinking their way through that idea and they just took little steps farther and farther away. Right. So you can do yeah, that, yeah, yeah. but it's hard. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, to me, Bigfoot, does not exist. And every day that goes by is another day that it's farther away from existing because geez, if we haven't found it by now, it's not to be found. Yeah. All right. I guess we should maybe wrap up. So yeah. So your, your, your book, what's your book called again? Scientifical Americans. Um, It's, it's on Kindle. It's also in paperback. And again, it's, you know, it's McFarland. So it is a little bit pricey, but Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's, there's nothing I can do about it. You know, uh, probably have heard this before. You don't you don't write books to make money. <laughs> yeah. They don't make any money. But um, I, I hoped that it would reach both people who believed in these types of topics and people who were just sort of interested in it. Right. And I always want to say if people, you know, people were like, they, they beat you at some sort of conference or something and they're like, Sharon Hill, why is that name familiar? Oh, you were on that conspiracy skeptic show. That was so awesome. Can I buy you a drink? What, what can someone buy you? Oh, boy. Oh, believe it or not, I like, I love martinis. I also like old fashions. Okay. Um, but I'm an old fashioned girl. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. 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 That kind of came from like, I think it was the, the very first time I went to, it was like someone's like, oh, I listen to your podcast. Let me buy you a beer. And I'm like, don't give me anything, please. I, I always joke like, 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 you know, I'm the podcast that doesn't want anything like, like, you know, you know, <laughs> give, you know, if, you know, if I have Blake on, I'm like, donate to monster talk or buy yeah. Sharon's book, you know, that, that oh, kind of stuff, buy yeah. her a drink, but, but I've written my own book now. So, so now I have to be kind of the, I don't want anything from my podcast, but please do go to Amazon, amazon.ca, amazon.com, search for the Skeptics Book of Lists, and uh, and it's there. It's like, uh, it's a Kindle, and it's, uh, you know, the print-on-demand. I don't have a publisher. I just sort of self-published it. Um, That's the way to go. That's yeah. clearly the way to go. Yeah, well, I would do that again myself. Well, the, the, I, um, I mean, this is my COVID project. Like, cause I used to have an hour train ride into work and an hour train ride home. And so I just devoted those time to just writing a book and a year and a half later, mm-hmm. I got a book. So, uh, 
So, Good for you. That's yeah, excellent. Yeah. So it's such so, an accomplishment. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I, buy my book. That's that's cool. But I won't <laughs> I won't think any less of my listeners if you don't buy my book and, and that kind of stuff. But but yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, but buy Sharon's book first, buy, then yeah. buy my book. So <laughs> buy buy it, you know, because you want to buy yeah. it, not because we're telling you to, but yeah. buy it yeah. because you want to. I, I have a sort of tradition of like whenever I encounter, um, um, you know, Karen, Karen Stoll's now she she gets a lot of haters, and so if I sort of see a lot of hate directed towards her, like on Twitter or something, I I literally buy one of her books from Amazon, <laughs> and then I post to the the hater. I post the you know the receipt, and obviously take out my name, you know, the, and, and I go, yeah, hey, I I bought her book because. Uh, you reminded me of yes. writes these books. I'm, so take that loser. You know, like I put money yeah. in your pocket because of you. How does that feel? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I, you, I feel good. Yeah, I feel good buying books. Um, you know, for my friends, uh, yeah. it, it does. It does feel good. I, I, I that's I, I get a lot of books from the library because I'm trying to cut back on my space of books. Yeah. But I, I do like to buy books from my friends because I like to support them. Yeah, yeah. And then I realize how how much of a chore a book is to write. Yeah, but I mean it's fun. I mean, you know, doing a blog, doing a podcast. This is just this is just fun. You get it's like it's yes. like now now that the book's kind of out there. I'm like, what the hell do I do at my mornings? Mm. I got nothing to do. I have to join because I'm like 55, and I'm like I got to join this cult of old men in COVID who <laughs> still wake up at five in the morning every day and have nothing to do, nowhere to go. So they just like hang outside the grocery store drinking coffee, McDonald's coffee. Yeah, and yeah. I, gotta, I gotta have to join them. But yeah. Yeah, I don't get those guys. I see those guys. Yeah. <sighs> I know I'm, I'm this close world. to being one of them. <laughs> so I'm telling you. All right. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. I very much appreciate you being on my, my, my podcast. And it's my pleasure. To you. Okay. All right. Have a good, have a good night there. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Set this